Hello listeners, welcome to Itihasa, an Indic history podcast and you're listening to episode 55 of this season Vijayanagara. It's been almost 8 months since the last episode. I had to hit a production pause to take care of a few important life events that had happened. Before this year ended, I wanted to wrap it up with the fall and death of the legend Sri Krishna Devaraya. In the last episode, we ended the Vijayanagara Gajapati mini-series with the decisive and thumping victory of Sri Krishna Devaraya against his arch-rival Prataparudra. In the eventual peace that was made between them with the help of Salavati Marasu. If you remember, the previous episode had a scene in which Emperor Krishna Devaraya, at his court in the presence of everyone, had Salavati Marasu sit on a jewel-studded carpet and showered him first with jewels and then with gold. He presented him with four ceremonial garments and gave him all sorts of ornaments. The honor and prestige being bestowed upon his loyal minister showed how much the Raya valued and loved the Marasu. Even more so after the dramatic sleight of hand he had pulled at the last moment to save Krishnadeva Raya from a problematic situation. With this, the curtain effectively falls on the long-simmering war between these Hindu powers. And after this, the only other notable military campaign that the great Raya undertook that's worth talking about was the Raichur campaign against the mighty Bijapur. The battle of Raichur was one hell of a military campaign with lots of twists and turns. It ended in the decisive victory of the Vijayanagara forces against the Bijapuris. All those listeners who have yet to hear about the Raichur campaign of Sri Krishna Devaraya, please check out the Battle of Raichur miniseries in the season without fail. This etches the dominance and glory of the great Sri Krishna Devaraya that we still are in awe of. It's a must listen for those who want to understand the reign of great Raya in detail. From about the end of 1521 to 1524, Krishna Devaraya appeared to have engaged in no wars of any importance, which required his personal attention. During these two years of quiet rule, he undertook his triumphal march through his southern dominions. We spoke about this briefly in one of the last episodes, which is also referred to in detail in the ethno-historical classic Raya Vachakamu and Krishna Raya Vijayamu. By about the same time, he probably also finished his magnum opus, Amukta Malyada. To this day, it is considered by modern poets and literature connoisseurs as one of the finest works to come out of the 16th century South India. While it is very convenient and easy to go on talking about the glory, illustrious reign and extraordinary administration of Krishnadevaraya, like we did in the previous episodes, this podcast would only be complete uh, if it also revealed to the listeners how some of the qualities of great Raya eventually led to his downfall of sorts. I briefly discussed this in the last episode of the Battle of Raichur miniseries. The conduct of Raya in the aftermath of the battle is symptomatic of not only his personality traits but also an indication of his failing judgment. The very mention of the downfall of Krishnadevaraya might sound blasphemous 
for the romanticists of history and die-hard fans of him. Nevertheless, this fall was a logical conclusion of a meteoric rise. After all, the fate and fortune of empires and emperors are at the mercy of the gravity of time. And the great Krishnadevaraya was no exception. The seeds of destruction of the greatest empires are usually sown during their rise itself. And they tend to be so small to even notice while they are happening that it's generally too late to do anything by the time damage is done. One such seed was sown by the great Raya right after the battle of Raichur. To know what and how that happened, check out the Raichur mini-series. Another seed or catalyst for Krishnadevaraya's fall comes from his failing health. Based on the information available from the European chroniclers of the time, it is said that the great Raya suffered from some sort of or chronic form of gastroenteritis that probably was a genetic or hereditary pass down. And this is supposed to have aggravated in the last five to six years of his life. This nagging health issue naturally concerned him a lot and he grew anxious about the future of the empire in case of a disputed succession, which has been part and parcel of Vijayanagara succession patterns. Of his 12 queens, at least a few are known by name. Nagala, his early sweetheart, is one. Tukka or Jaganmohini of Gajapati was deserted after marriage and died neglected at Kumban in Karnul district was his second. And Tirumala Devi was the third. And Chinna Devi was the fourth. Through one of them, he had a son named Tirumala. Tirumala was then only six years of age. According to Fernau Nunez, after his return from his expeditions against Gulbarga in 1524 AD, Krishnadevaraya nominated his infant son as his successor and added that he abdicated his throne in his favour and paid respects to him as his first and foremost subject. From certain inscriptions, it is possible to infer confidently that the son referred to was Tirumala Deva Maharaya and the installation of him on the throne should have taken place about 1524 AD. He should have been installed formally as Yuvaraja and even co-ruler and probably even became the successor to his father. This was clearly Krishnadevaraya pre-empting the succession crisis that would arise without fail after his death which seemed imminent to him at that time. It is essential to understand that Krishnadevaraya's stepbrother, Achyutadevaraya, who was the son of Veeranarsimha II, was still alive and under house arrest at that time. And Krishnadevaraya's son-in-law, Aliyaramaraya, was another power center as a counterbalance to the Achyuta faction. I spoke about this dynamic in depth in the previous episodes too. Some historical sources mention how the great Raya was almost on a deathbed and in one of the instances hastened his decision to abdicate and crown his young son. Raya seems to have recovered from the illness that took his life later. Traditional accounts speak in more detail as Krishnadevaraya abdicated the throne in favour of his son, 
himself taking up the position of prime minister reducing salavatimarasu to the role of an ordinary councillor the coronation of the 6 year old boy king was celebrated for 8 months like a festival and just as the coronation festival came to a close the boy king had fallen ill and died raya is said to have suspected timmadanayaka son of salavatimarasu to have eventually administered poison to the boy king causing illness and death there is a high probability that krishnadevaraya impulsively jumped to all sorts of conclusion in his fit of anger which was notorious for there are no records of any proper investigation or a trial being conducted to indict the salavatimarasu family whatever might be the case we can only speculate about the nature of the investigation that was done based on the records the raya was evidently enraged and threw salavatimarasu and his two sons into prison after formally addressing them in an open assembly of his nobles fernando nunez writes in his chronicles about this event too he says the raya called for aid from many portuguese who were then in the country with horses this is indeed profound as this reflects both sincere respect and fear for salavatimarasu's power influence and talents the fact that the sitting emperor of krishnadevaraya's caliber had to worry about the possibility of consequences is in itself amazing the one he might have to endure after the arrest of timarasu in itself is pretty significant and says volumes about not just the deep seated insecurity of krishnadevaraya the suspicion he held timarasu under but also the intense dynamics of the vijayanagara polity it is worth spending some time on this deep seated insecurity of krishnadevaraya that led to the condemnation of his most loyal prime minister and his family for all those listeners following the entire saga of rise of krishnadevaraya it is straightforward to comprehend the why of this insecurity krishnadevaraya knew how he came to sit on the throne when he should have been blinded instead salavatimarasu's clever politic and generosity towards a talent an individual he had spotted in the young raya led him to ignore veeranarsimha the second's order to neutralize and probably even assassinate krishnadevaraya in favor of his young son suppose one puts aside for a moment the fact that it was timarasu's real politic for the benefit of the empire timarasu's generosity towards the young krishnadevaraya cannot be downplayed credit should be given where it's due either way it was this real politic and deft maneuvering of timarasu to disobey the orders of the sitting emperor veeranarsimha ii and putting the unintended step brother on the throne that came back to haunt krishnadevaraya and also timarasu himself his insecurity was that history might repeat itself after his death he was obviously afraid that timarasu might play the same move with his 6 year old son which would see his son being dethroned in favor of his step brother achitadevaraya there is no evidence yet to show that the timarasu harbored any such intentions against his emperor 
whom he so dearly loved and was loyal towards then again krishna devaraya's notorious anger irrational fears and love for his son drove him and his sanity to its limits this ultimately led to this incredible inflection point in krishna devaraya's otherwise glorious era which is usually considered one of the major epochs of the entire indian history did the great salava timaras who deserved the fate meted out to him was he really involved in the treasonous act should krishna devaraya have made more inquiries before he decided to carry out such harsh punishment and what follows later are questions that can only be raised but cannot be answered definitively without any new evidence timanna dananayaka one of the captured sons of salava timarasu had somehow escaped the prison after 3 years of imprisonment he said to have fled towards a mountain range where a salava relative lived with his help and that of robbers who lived close by he had raised the banner of revolt raya responded to this revolt by sending his new minister against him he was caught and brought before the king who ordered salava timma and his young brother govinda raju to his presence he directed that they should be led to the place of execution and then blinded and put into prison again timanna dananayaka died shortly after in prison and as for salava timma what became of him is not definitively known a theory or narrative says timarasu died destitute in tirumala tirupati but there are references to the presence of epigraphical evidence to show that timarasu and govinda raju continued to serve under achutaraya the step brother of krishna devaraya interestingly fernao nunes does not mention in his chronicles if these two brothers rotted and died in prison while the absence of evidence cannot be taken as evidence of absence it is possible that salva brothers after all did survive krishna devaraya himself The most fascinating aspect of this whole downfall of Salava Timarasu saga is that Sri Krishna Devaraya seems to have adopted one of the sons Kondamarasu that is sons of Timarasu sometime around 1526 CE he was appointed either as the prime minister or a bit lower to help him administer the kingdom going by the prevailing narrative and if one may say The theory of Salava Timarasu's supposed betrayal and murder of the boy king it begs the question as to why would Krishna Devaraya adopt Timarasu's son and elevate him to his administrative council It cannot be that there is no other administrative talent left in the empire that the emperor has to resort to hiring a supposed traitor son to the position of helping him rule Despite the rich and profound legacy the salava timarasu family in helping successive vijayanagara emperors rule it is pretty challenging to believe that someone as proud and haughty as krishna devaraya would appoint timarasu's son after the downfall unless there is a solid reason for this let's dig deeper and piece together what might have happened based on the fractured evidence and descriptions so far the whole story about the betrayal by salava timarasu 
was based on Fernão Nunes's chronicles in the famous 19th century historian Robert Searle's book A Forgotten Empire which is often taken as a primary source of truth for this whole event and things connected to it one thing to keep in mind though is that contemporary chroniclers are known to have made genuine mistakes with not just identities but misinterpreting events that transpired due to cultural differences and also due to them basing their reports on hearsay or some other secondary sources it was only sometimes eyewitness accounts that these chroniclers were based upon any derivative descriptions narratives or modern theories being repeated by historians may be based on these flawed chronicles one good starting point for our journey to get to the truth as close as possible can be the tirumala tirupati devasthanam's epigraphical records these inscriptions were all engraved into the temple stone walls as the events were recorded think of these walls as a journal maintained by the temple for anyone or anything connected to the temple many interesting inscriptional records from the tirumala tirupati epigraphical collections are dated from 1522 to 1525 1535 to 1536 and 1541 ce which point to a different story the inscriptions are quoted to demonstrate that these two brothers bestowed various gifts on temples during the time of achitraya it is believed therefore that selva timmarasu and his brother govindaraya survived to the end of 1535 and 1541 ce if all of this evidence from inscriptions is to be believed then that would mean the standard story about selva timmarasu's betrayal and murder of boy king is pretty much flawed or there are more significant missing pieces of the puzzle based on all these disparate pieces of information i think this is what could have happened salavatimarasu and his sons were initially framed falsely by enemies of krishna devaraya and salavatimarasu to drive a wedge between the emperor and his loyal pradhani who would have the motive and means to do such a thing and why there are ha- a handful of characters with strong motives to do this orissa gajapati is the prime suspect followed by krishna devaraya stepbrother achyuta devaraya the bijapur sultan and finally the raya's son-in-law aliya ramaraya aliya ramaraya the then son-in-law of krishna devaraya and achyuta devaraya may have had triangular power struggle with salvatimarasu again this is my own theory and either one of them would have liked to see salavatimarasu go down but neither of them would have taken the drastic step of such a traitorous act of murdering krishnadevaraya's son because both ramaraya and achutaraya were so close to the power centers that relied on the patronage and glory of the great emperor it would have been foolish for either of them to attempt such a thing that leaves the bijapuri sultan and the orissa gajapati prataparudra as suspects while the bijapur sultan would have loved to see both krishnadevaraya and salavatimarasu go down instead the sultan was incentivized to not rock the already rocky boat 
of strained diplomatic relationships with Krishnadevaraya especially in the aftermath of the battle of Raichur Bijapur wasn't in a state or a position to risk an all out war with Vijayanagara so soon This leaves Orissa Gajapati as the last remaining suspect In fact there are some references to a Gajapati plot and a deep conspiracy to frame Salavatimarasu after secretly assassinating the boy king through poisoning The core motive is the deep hatred of Krishnadevaraya by the Orissa Gajapatis who considered the former low-born individual born to a queen's maid with no royal lineage and the fact that the Gajapatis were decisively defeated literally humiliated in the Gajapati Vijayanagara war and forced to marry the Gajapati's daughter Jaganmohini to Krishnadevaraya was something that the Prataparudra couldn't digest since all of this happened under the guidance of Salavatimarasu's guile and real politics there was a strong motive for the Gajapati to take out Salavatimarasu in every way and weaken the Raya few sources and narratives and there are some movies a telugu movie actually in which nt ramarao had acted too they talk about a gajapati plot in framing salavatimarasu to weaken krishnadevaraya as timarasu was instrumental in not just the rise of the raya but also the undefeated string of victories all through his reign the gajapatis would have every motive and means to sow suspicion in the mind of a paranoid krishnadevaraya who desperately wanted a smooth succession the only way we can reconcile these conflicting narratives and evidence is that krishnadevaraya initially got fooled and fell for the gajapati plot in falsely framing timarasu for the murder of the boy king and then one or more members of salava timarasu's family rebelled against krishnadevaraya and were put down with force they also probably would have rebelled against raya because they felt they had no role in the assassination of the boy king or the heir to the throne and they would have felt a deep sense of injustice for the decades of service that the salva family had given to the vijayanagara line of emperors salva timarasu and his brothers were temporarily put under some sort of prison or house arrest after removing them from their exalted positions and at some point after that krishnadevaraya probably was able to uncover the gajapati hand in the scandal after that perhaps the salva brothers were reinstated to their positions as ministers which continued until the end of achyutadevaraya's reign it is said that salva timarasu passed away sometime between 1534 to 1535 and his brother govindaraya passed away between 1541 to 1542 at the end of achyutadevaraya's rule a narrative says salavatimarasu spent his last days in tirumala tirupati relying or living on the arms of the devotees and probably begging for prasadam again this is a narrative we don't know if it is really true After 1526 the ill health of Krishnadevaraya the jockeying of various powers to position themselves in the correct positions at the death of the raya some of the crucial vassals in the deep south 
started raising banners of rebellions against Raya. And the rise of these activities, uh, internal and external, casts a shadow on the last years of his otherwise glorious reign. An inscription discovered at Honenhalli on the outskirts of Tumukuru by a group comprising archaeologists, researchers and history enthusiasts throws light on the exact date of Krishnadevaraya's demise. The legendary king who ruled the Vijayanagara Empire between 1509 to 1529, Krishnadevaraya is believed to have passed away on October 17th, 1529 AD. And exactly four days after his passing away, his stepbrother was crowned as the next Vijayanagara emperor in a peaceful transition, thanks to the Raya's clear designation of Achyutaraya as his successor. As much as he wanted his own son to be the next ruler, Krishnadevaraya's only remaining son was 18 months old during his death. And he realized if he had nominated that baby as the next ruler, the empire would go through a civil war which he wanted to avoid at all costs. And with this, we shall end this episode here. I sincerely hope the listeners enjoyed this episode. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This is Narendra Vikram, your host and narrator, signing off. A huge thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. I hope to see you soon in the next episode. Hope you have a great week ahead.